0: welcome to Writing the Wrong Way, where we talk about how writing works, how writers work, and how the best writers risk being strange. But I'm here today uh, talking publishing with Irene Bindi, who is representing uh, ARP Books, uh, a Winnipeg publisher. Um, And ARP is one of the more interesting publishers to me personally, just because I think ARP has unlike most publishers, a very clear identity um, and a very clear kind of way they conduct themselves as a publisher, which, uh, you know, so I wonder if, Irene, you could talk just a little bit about, you know, what is ARP Books, uh, maybe a little bit about the origins of the company and sort of where it stands today.
1: Yeah, um, Books. Books were a leftist, a small, tiny leftist press. Um, we began, uh, far before my time in the mid-90s, um, as a kind of an editorial collective, um, run on, uh, volunteer labor for the first many, many years, um, and, uh, had, uh, I think from the very beginning, um, you know, a focus on leftist uh politics and um and also literary work. Uh so um that conceptual focus across um, nonfiction, fiction, poetry, um, and sort of and you know, kind of some intersection, some experimental um uh, writing as well.
0: And can you talk a bit about um how that leftist focus connects to the literature focus because i've always found it an interesting aspect of the press that uh really from the get-go almost uh they've been very involved in both
1: yeah i think you know as a committed leftist press there's you know there's a long um there's a long rich tradition of um literary work that has um you know that's that's by leftists and Um, socialists and communists and anarchists as well and so they were um, I guess kind of implanted in that uh, tradition from the beginning
0: and can you talk a bit about what it means to you for it to be a a leftist press because I know um, know, sometimes presses will say things like that but they don't really have a clear practice Uh, whereas I think RP Books does
1: Yeah, I think um, sometimes people think of the left as uh, a monolith, particularly if they're not, you know, that super involved. um, Or, uh, you know, uh, invested um, in sort of complex political dynamics. Um, So the left is vast and um, we it's an interesting negotiation um, as a leftist press to even be a, a press, because you know, inevitably, you're you're part of uh, a, a capitalist uh, system. The publishing industry is uh, inherently, uh, by its very nature, designed uh, toward uh, profit, um, and we are instead oriented toward ideas. So there is a constant. Um, tension <laughs> um within that's, you know uh, necessarily present within our production that may be um, at times a bit more intense and difficult to navigate simply because we are trying to be uh, principled. Um, and so that means, you know, uh, that we tend to involve um, authors in a more intense way uh, in in all levels of decision making around uh, each book.
0: I think one way this plays out in a kind of clear manner is in the decision that the press made a couple of years ago to remove its books from Amazon. Uh, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, uh, what kind of went into that decision, and what involved, and also what kind of some of the ramifications of that it is for press in today's age.
1: Sure. Um... Yeah, to to us it felt irreconcilable to be um you know uh, selling our books directly on Amazon um knowing Amazon's labor practices and that that's not to say that you know there aren't other uh, corporate outlets that also um you know are are um uh, deeply imbricated and terrible uh Table, terrible labor practices. Um, but it was one thing that we felt we could do. And and this isn't to say, like, to be clear, um, we don't sell our books on Amazon, but third party sellers can still get our books and sell them on Amazon. So you can still find our books on Amazon, even though we're not selling them there. Um, but I think, um, you know, uh, there, there are alternatives. Um, and that You know there's alu there's local independent booksellers it's not that difficult to get um your book on to order books online through other through other networks and means and those are kind of expanding all the time as well um but uh yeah it um it just uh it seemed like a a something that we could do uh we saw that there might be a hit um that we would take a hit uh, in terms of sales, um, but that that uh, was worth um, the trade-off of of taking a stand against this um, really terrible uh, and enormous um, institution. That's
0: one thing what I doing. one thing I find kind of interesting about Amazon and the kind of place it occupies in publishing today. Is that um, independent authors uh, who are self-publishing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: who in a traditional sense uh, would have been coming out of a leftist, independent position. So you had, you know, this you have this history of indie authors that typically is associated with um, the left or with these sort of non-corporate um, publishing movements. Um, And then you have this sort of new world of indie publishing that is extremely capitalistic and embroiled uh, completely at times with Amazon, um, which I find interesting and somewhat troublesome, uh, partly because I think it's kind of in some ways against the indie ethos. But at the same time, it's also just bad business practices, (laughs) because if Amazon just goes away, which i know people think it can't but it, but it could mm-hmm. like like companies often do mm-hmm. gone um you know look at uh you know uh financial companies that everybody thought would never would be here forever that just disappeared in 2008 uh for example um uh even in the midst of government bailouts you know you have these massive companies just disappearing into thin air um it's you know maybe not on the horizon for tomorrow but certainly like there's even just a simple capitalistic danger in being embroiled in so heavily in a platform you don't control and own never mind you know whether or not you're really an independent author in this way now and what that might mean to be an independent author today and so on I just find it you know a very curious approach um in the way that it has developed versus you know Um, kind of what ARP Books is doing, which, you know, here we have a publisher that has, you know, independence uh, in uh, various ways and is, you know, has a bit of a, somewhat of a political position um, and is taking, you know, particular stands or stances in the industry, which I think, you know, makes one, the, the, the company stand out, you know, ARP Books, I think stands out in certain ways as a result, but also think something I think is, is often overlooked in the whole mix of it is uh, as you sort of mentioned earlier to say, you know, uh, that it's the leftist press uh, in many respects, it it doesn't really mean that it's monolithic in itself. As you say, like the left is, this a very fragmented thing for good and, and ill. Um, and it's uh, you know, you could just look at your catalog and see it a stunning amount of diversity, even in viewpoints, uh, which I think is interesting. And I wonder, like, how do you actually, I wonder how this all connects just to the day to day, uh, work, uh, or labor of actually like going into figuring out what you're going to publish.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it, it's, it's interesting because we do publish, um, like as a core, um, staff, um, Um, Yes, you know, like we are, um, we're trying to be a principled leftist press, but even within um, uh, our unit, we all have different politics, uh, different, you know, nuances of politics. Sometimes it's a negotiation of like, what conversation is it important uh, to um, foreground right now, so like a book on basic income. um, that may not be as radical as you know, black women understate, which is a book that you know really um, takes to task social assistance. So um, the there if if we were to attempt to narrow uh, the books we publish to one principled politics, then we wouldn't be able to publish uh, you know um, a book on indigenous land resistance. And then also, you know, like th- these these conversations um, are are not always aligned. So what we try to 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 think about is like, what is the broader landscape? What do we want to um, amplify in terms of conversations that are going on? Um, it's it is more of that than a declaration of the press's, you know, politics as a, a defined entity, you know. So um, what kind of conversations do we want to amplify that are going on um, in the world um, is kind of the, the general approach. And then from a more practical um, standpoint in terms of like acquisitions, we're sort of, you know, we... We get a lot of submissions uh, more and more um each year. Uh, but we also are kind of trying to pay attention to um the publishing landscape to writing to new writers and old writers. I think those are the um the the polls that I think we're we're very very interested in um, and uh, and so there is um also a, a you know a and especially with the Semaphore series, I think um, which Owen, Owen Taves um, often spearheads those titles, um, we're looking for, you know, really current polemics. And so in those cases, it's often like going out and, and finding somebody who's written like an, an amazing, extensive article and in some other publication and saying, "Hey, do you want to turn this into a short book? Um, so yeah, there's a whole kind of range of ways that um, we acquire.
0: And can you talk a bit about um, some uh, how you look at nonfiction and fiction or poetry uh, differently, or or even the same in the same way? Like, how do you approach looking at a manuscript of fiction or not or poetry versus nonfiction? Are the you know obviously you mean they're different things, but like, is there a similarity in how you're what you're looking for?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. I think, you know, I think that's probably like a more that's probably the most loosely um, uh, defined area of our of our publishing output which is funny because it is actually half basically of what we publish, but it is like a, a very loosely defined um, thing where there's a range of interests. Um, I I'm not sure how to answer that question because it's sort of like, it, it tends to be, I think probably there's less um, uh, with, the, with the literary work it tends to be less um, stuff that we seek out um, than it is choosing from what what ends up coming to us. Um, so then, um, and then again, within um, our little group, there's a range of tastes and interests. So it can be, again, quite quite wide ranging. We have some like a very conventional poetry. Um, I guess most most of the poetry that we have published is like conventional in terms of form, but
0: um, some it's not, like Colin Smith or Cam Scott, for example.
1: Yeah, yeah totally, totally. It's so and uh, yeah, and and that interests me as a like a an area of the press that um, I would like to grow, um, but like um, always radical politic politically. Um, that that uh, would be the consistent. Um, thread I think in terms of the poetry Um, particularly
0: in recent years Um, sure mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah I find the as you say the poetry would be very different like Lee Miracle doesn't write the way Colin Smith does as a simple example Uh, but um, at the same time they both have a sort of they're using different techniques and they have in in many ways different concerns Um, but they both have this a uh, way in which they're sort of interested in resistance yes.
1: uh,
0: as a sort of ethos or a uh, in, in involving uh their work in a sort of resistance you know for some authors resistance can be as simple as you know writing about your life when people don't want you to uh whereas you know for other writers uh it, you know it maybe takes a more complicated form of you know questioning particular social structures or what have you but um uh, you know there often is i think that central uh, just you know i don't know what you might call it like worldview or ethos that you know resistance has a significance or uh, requires certain you know connect ways to, of writing which you know they may disagree on Uh, the precise ways Uh, but um, I find like that sort of approach is maybe something that underlies it it's maybe less obvious to me in your fiction choices uh, but I still think you know you have this um, like like an author like Fawn Parker is maybe a bit Mm -hmm. more um, loose but you know still has a way in which uh, you know Parker is just kind of looking for something in a manner of speaking, that's not the usual convention. Like there's an unconventionality to it in a certain way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And a certain like.
0: Satisfaction uh, maybe is.
1: A friction with structures, you know?
0: Sure. That's a good way to put it. Um, There's that kind of, I mean, it's it's maybe less some. But even the nonfiction, like the topics, as you say, are very varied. Uh, The viewpoints are often very varied. You know, you've got... There's also... uh, One of the things I think the the press is uh, really good at historically, um, as as well as, you know, these days, is it's uh, publishing on film, film studies. Uh, You know, uh, of course, you know, there's... Vatten's Doll has... um, uh, number of great uh books uh with the ARP that connect the film studies you know that really range even even vattenstahl's books range quite widely
1: yeah. within
0: that uh you know he's talking about Madden or horror film or or you know other you know he's got other topics um you've got um uh just you know there's any number of uh really excellent uh works that connected the field of film studies so, so that again there's a there's a bit of that experimentalist or radical strain to what's being you know looked at uh, or studied uh mm-hmm. whereas you know some of the other nonfiction a, and also i th- i think um arp has done a really great job with um uh various you know aspects of indigenous studies
1: mm-hmm.
0: so it's always interesting to me like so i think like you know there's almost these pockets of interest, like at the press, it seems, where, you know, these books might disagree, but they're sort of all in the same realm,
1: yeah. no absolutely of speaking. Yeah, there's a certain organicness to that, where, you know, like with the Indigenous books, um, Indigenous authors, for example, you know, um, that I think essentially began with um that or or it started to really grow after um we we uh, published um Leanne Patterson Mosak Simpson's early books and it was like the relationship with um, um, John Sampson um and Leanne made that um, made ARP um, um, you know from what i understand from both of them a very you know like a um, how to say like a, a safe and comfortable environment. And then Leanne sharing that with other um, Indigenous authors and um, had them coming to work with us. And um, we also, you know, often work with the same authors um, repeatedly, like like um, um, Kalem, uh, for instance. So, um yeah all of those one one book kind of leads to the next through um sometimes strange networks and and then yeah you're right they they sort of end up evolving these odd little pockets of um <laughs> you know of um of uh of of categories of, of publishing I um, think... it's really cool to hear you say that about film studies cuz that's my um my academic background is you know oh
0: yeah sure yeah. A lot of my background as well as in film studies. um, I did a master's degree in English, but I did it with George Tolles. Um, I wrote a screenplay and uh, so on and so forth, you know, and I did, I did a film minor, although I could have done a film major. I could have just change the checked a different box on my form and gotten a film degree instead of an English degree. I'd done so many courses
1: right.
0: in it kind of thing. So I've, you know, and I worked in film for you know a number uh, in various ways as well and i've done film writing and stuff so i've always keeping an eye on um you know what's going on in the film studies realm even though i don't i actually am <laughs> hilariously i'm the world expert on john pays uh you know
1: when it, <laughs> and an I, wrote, I literally
0: r- wrote God. the book on pays you know i wrote a book on john pays's crime way for the youtube yeah, yeah. yeah
1: and it's playing next month at the cinematech right I, think. I believe
0: so, yeah, it's always around you know that I'm film never down. dies,
1: yeah, yeah, I know it's the best, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah, but
1: yeah, uh, on um, I don't know, um if you know, but we're um releasing an edi- edited collection on the films of Rain for Matt in the spring,
0: oh, yes, yeah, I, I saw that uh, on your site um yeah I, I believe, but yeah, I saw it somewhere, but yeah, that it looks a uh, great Rainer
1: one of those like crossover titles where there's like there's a combination of you know um film studies people contributing essays and then there's like other artists continu- contributing like creative responses to the work so it's this sort of like um you know uh this meld
0: what are some of the other books that you're doing that just have got you excited just you yourself personally
1: um black women understate was that we just released um, was an incredible experience uh, to work with Adil Abdullahi, who we uh, published a semaphore with before that. Um, she co-wrote uh, with Ronaldo Walcott, Black Life, uh, post-BLM and the Struggle for Freedom. Um, and we published that in uh, 2019, I think, or 2018, I I should have this clear in my head, but I don't And then after that Adil um, and I just have all this really amazing uh, working relationship and comradeship because you know she's she's an organizer. Um, and uh, and and that's the other thing the other dimension of this is that like a lot of the authors that we work with are um, uh, organized so often you know if they're academics they're also organizers they're not um, academics only um so uh that was that one that project was amazed has been amazing um because I, I have learned so much uh from adil um through working on 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 black women understate um uh surveillance poverty and the violence of social assistance is the subtitle and it um looks at the experiences of 20 Black women accessing um, social assistance in Toronto, the Ontario Works program, um, and sort of um, dismantles uh, the myth that this is a system of help instead of harm. In really like you know, uh, disperse in complex ways, taking in um, you know um, not just social services but policing, education, legal system, um, all of these networks that kind of are, are are interconnected and information sharing and end up resulting in a lot of, um, harm. Um, so anyway, that, uh, that's one that, uh, was just, uh, an amazing, um, experience uh to work on um I yeah I feel excited about a lot of a lot of our books Cam's book is is unique (laughs) um as is all of Cam's work
0: The Vanishing Signs
1: Vanishing Signs yeah and before that Roman Snowman Mm. um his poetry book um and Uh, the the most recent book that we published with Leanne uh, which was actually just earlier this year Um, and it's amazing that you know someone like Leanne uh, would come back uh, to publish with us after becoming as big as she has Um, but I think it's part of partly because of that trusting experience Um, well you know and and she expressed that that she had with the press. So, um, she uh, teaches at the Dikinta Center, uh, I think that's how it's pronounced, um, up north. And she and so uh, it's the first collection of like northern indigenous writing, a lot of uh, hmm. Dene writing, and the um, so it's like a, a really kind of expansive collection um of um authors, you know, that that she and others are mentoring at the center. Um so yeah, projects like that that come to us that um uh, are totally unconventional, but uh that uh we're yeah, we're just excited, excited about amplifying voices that not. Um, are not. You- yeah, no, Let's I was gonna
0: say you also mention uh, you know that uh, Lance Simpson working with you multiple times and, and as you say a lot of your authors are coming back to publish with you again. I'm um, I'm curious to know what you what the press does to to do that. You know to accomplish not only an author you know wanting to come back but also just to kind of help an author build. Uh, build a career in that sort of way because it is something that was once very common with publishers you know, that authors and publishers would kind of be in it together for a long time and it's something that has in many ways fallen by the wayside um, yeah. in much of the publishing world not completely you know like yeah. uh, but it, it happens more often in the smallest press space it seems um, but uh, there is I think still very much the attitude in publishing broadly that people graduate from the small press to larger publishers, for example, Yeah, uh, you know, and, and, or they just, you know, are moving around like free agents often because of their agents.
1: Yeah. And so I'm curious
0: <laughs> to know uh, just sort of what you think ARP does or to kind of accomplish, you know, these people coming back uh, or, mm-hmm. you know, just some of the practical things you think, Um, are important uh, to kind of that, in terms of that author-publisher relationship?
1: Yeah, um, that's a great question. I, I think you're absolutely right that, you know, that, that, um, that sort of, I guess, allegiance or whatever uh, doesn't uh, exist between authors and publishers anymore. Um, For better or worse, I don't think that it's necessarily, you know, a requirement of, of of a good um good output, but um I think one of the things that we are able to provide is you know author I think I, as I briefly mentioned earlier authors involvement and and input at all stages and that's like a lot of time and and um, additional uh, work that you know, if you're, you know, if you're, if they're, if they're able to, you know, provide feedback on, you know, initial typeset samples, for instance, or even the cover, I don't think that a lot of authors who um, are first entering really realize how little input they would get with a big press in terms of, you know, the what the final cover of their book um, will be. Um Whereas we really want to work closely with the author and make sure that that object is um, an object that they're happy with. And, you know, some authors are like, they don't care that much, like they're less, you know, visually or materially um, oriented in terms of like what that what that object is going to be or how it's going to appear visually, other than like, make it look like a nice book, you know, <laughs> in quotation marks. Um, but others are, re- are actually very much invested um, in that aspect of it. And so, Um, that, that can be like a really, you know, uh, complex, um, and time consuming, um, part of it. Similarly at the editorial stage, um, there's a lot more, I think back and forth. Um, there's a lot more, there's a lot less prescribing of like, you know, we're going to do this edit at this point and you're not going to get to, (laughs) you know, (laughs) um, uh, uh, have a say or, uh, know um and the rigidity of like production schedules and things i think with larger presses is much more um uh formulated and it's you know you're you enter the system and you're part of it like you know i've talked to authors where they're they talk about you know using they have to use like digital interfaces for their (laughs) for each each aspect of their you know instead of like engaging um on the human level uh, with, with these various produ- you know, levels of production. So I think that, uh, yeah, just like the human element of, of of being led through the process, of having input on the process all the way. And I mean, that also ha- has, you know, it, it can be detrimental to us because we end up, you know, having to push books to the next season. And, you know, uh, because of like this time consuming process, but also because of like respecting people's like, Life crises and like <laughs> delays that naturally happen in the world, and so um, all of those things I think um, probably contribute to some to some degree to people wanting to come back and and work with us again. Um, they just have a little more control, you know, over um, what their final book will be like.
0: You mentioned and we're
1: just, we try to. <laughs>
0: And you mentioned John K. Sampson earlier. Can you talk a little bit for people who don't know about this press's connection to Sampson and the weaker thems?
1: Sure. Yeah. John is one of the founders of the press along with Todd Scarth and Essel Jones. They ran it on their own steam for many, many years. Um, So yeah, that's, I think like a lot of the association that people locally and beyond um have with the press is is connecting it uh to john um and his like um editorial work on it for the first you know many years of its existence and
0: then also uh, you know you published a book of his lyrics and uh so on uh, as well um uh, one thing I think is also just, I, I wonder if you could talk before we're done here is on some of those maybe challenges that press publishers have these days, uh, that readers might not you know, expect or be aware of what kind of um, goes into the, the labor that goes, the kind of invisible labor that goes into these books, you know, in, in that respect.
1: What some of the challenges are.
0: Yeah. Or just some of the, joys and challenges perhaps of like you know
1: yeah i think the biggest challenge these days um just from like a production and scheduling standpoint is that like people's capacity to to meet deadlines seems to have plummeted and when you have um a it's kind of a house of cards where you know you have a you have early editorial stages. You have copy editing timing planned out. You have typesetting timing planned out and design and um, everything. If something collapses, if one person in 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 that thread <clears throat> can't fulfill, then um, then everything down the line sort of gets rolled forward and blurbers and um, it, it's. Uh, yeah, it's sort of like this you know complex thing that can easily uh, collapse and sort of keeping all of the the balls in the air at any given time is a big challenge. Um,
0: I think also people don't realize that that can play into simple things like how much the paper costs. Because, you know, if you have to move the press time, maybe that changes your quote on paper and paper is a shortage on paper. Now, like there's these invisible aspects of the material process that I think uh, readers and often writers uh, don't understand.
1: Absolutely. Totally. Um, And similarly, like we're, we're in a, a volatile time in general. So yeah, the paper, volatility would be one a very practical thing, but even just politically, <clears throat> volatility um, of, you know, from an editorial perspective of, you know, um, sometimes there's variables that come up um, partway through working on a text, and um, these things can lead to having to make major changes. Um, major different majorly you know different decisions related to attacks sometimes you have to drop a book for 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 complex political reasons too so um those challenges particularly when we are trying to be you know a self-described principled leftist press can um can be really tricky and makes um it's just a yeah. A world of decision-making that's, it never lets up.
0: <laughs> and so what keeps you going despite, you know, the kind of challenges that, you know, face everybody, uh, especially in publishing today uh, because it is a you know difficult business uh, at the same time, you know, it's just yeah. personally can be difficult and challenging and you know chaotic and so i'm curious to you know like what kind of drives your passion for publishing and keeps you engaged
1: totally um yeah a number of things like uh, the fact that we're getting um ideas out there um the fact that we're basically a regionalist press that has like a broader scope um the um the the ways that i'm able like as an editor to learn from the authors that i work with i think you know like over the past two years or three um the learning that i've you know acquired um you know has been like largely due to working with people like cam and with adil um and so i get so much out of out of working on these books, because you, you know, inevitably, you enter into um, political, social, historical learning, uh, that is, um, you know, super exciting and complex and varied. Um, And then, you know, just the hope, the the sliver, <laughs> the meager sliver of hope that you're, you know, putting something in the world that might change change minds or lives, <laughs> um, you know that uh, that that these books can have an impact on the world, um, because you have to have that in order to to continue with spirit, good faith.
0: Well, thanks, I so much for talking to me, and uh, if people can go check out. Um, what ARP Books is doing at arpbooks.org. Uh, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of great books there. I recommend, you know, uh, again, I, my favorite author that you've got, you know, no offense to Cam Scott, uh, who I know is uh, Colin Smith. You know, <laughs> I'm a big, big Colin Smith fan. You know, I've always thought he's one of the most underrated and underappreciated uh, writers in this country. So uh, anytime I see a new book by Colin Smith, uh, I'm super excited. So,
1: Absolutely. Um, I, I, I add Colin to my list of, of people who I've learned plenty from over the past few years. I, I'm going to tack that on there because it's well-deserved. Colin's amazing.
0: Well, thanks again for talking to me. And uh, everyone check out arpbooks.org. And uh, yeah, thanks, Irene, for spending some time and asking some questions.
1: Thank you so much. That was wonderful.